0: Hello everyone and welcome to this special bite-sized edition of the Private Equity Power Talks podcast. I'm your producer, Richard aliff In this episode, we release a never heard before segment from our interview with strategic people manager and head of staff, Ellie Roma Lee. In 2014, Ellie joined digital identity verification company Onfido as employee number 12 and ran the people team through to 2020 when the business had a headcount of more than 400. In this punchy episode, Ellie talks about the power of language in culture building and explains how she used the personification of animals to represent the key values and behaviours of the business, leading to a self-sustaining culture that only got stronger as they onboarded more employees. Now over to Ellie. language language is all so it's about spending time again coming up with actual words to label these things that seem to have currency in your team so best of all is if you can borrow phrases that you hear around the office Um, if not you can try and reverse work it so that happened a lot on video that people would start to kind of use phrases from our our values framework as a tie break. So I'd hear all the time in meetings like, well, if we were really doing find a better way, what would we do here? Um, And that's when you think, yes, this is is good, this is working. Um, The language I think ideally needs to be memorable and clear, but also have enough space in it for some level of interpretation, which I know will sound a bit mad, but back to my point about this continuum between you know, your 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 culture, your lived culture is somewhere between the humans in the room and the thing that you declare, and it shifts up and down that continuum. I think you've got to embrace that in your design. Um, so at Onfido, we actually ended up associating each one of our values with an animal. Um, and again, I can tell you that story at more length if you're interested. But the massive value of that for us was that they sort of started to take on lives of their own and they would absorb other meanings and other behaviors at particular points in our life cycle. Now, again, the find a better way value is, I think, probably the most distinctive and also the most kind of culturally embraced. Like you'd see people who they have like little badges on their on their backpacks, which was the little finch, which stood for find a better way. And people would use finching as a verb. (laughs) I'm going to finch my way through it. I will find a way to sort this out. And yeah, I think that sort of um again, like slightly accidental association between these these groups of behaviors we were trying to identify and the animals was incredibly helpful because it allowed people to overlay their own, you know, belief systems and, and values onto them. And also it allowed them to flex as the thing grew and evolved. Well, and that was great. <laughs> I was just gonna I was just gonna ask you that my follow-up question was like was was going to be, you know, cultures within cultures. So you can create, a, you were an international business, you are an international business, uh, five mm. or six locations around the world, you know, Asia, America, Europe, um, you know, real diversity in terms of cultures within those mm. um, geographic locations. Mm. And, uh, you know, a, a mistake can be that you create a culture and it's a, it's a one-way culture that doesn't have enough flex and depth in it. And I suppose... The animals gave you that. (laughs) Sounds quite strange. The animals, but but, you know, hanging the culture or behaviours associated with an animal gave you a high degree of flexibility for international um, cultures to sort of thrive and exist in that environment. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think also, you know, you've just got to have a high level of sensitivity and respect for the way in which different cultures are going to cross pollinate with and and enrich yours so I remember we did um, an acquisition of a brilliant engineering team who are based in Albuquerque in New Mexico and you know our engineering team was pretty big by the time we did that it was probably I don't know 100 120 people and we were bringing on 20 new engineers I remember being out in their office and I was running a workshop with them and I was sort of thinking about how to prepare for it And my initial idea for the workshop had been, you know, here's Onfido's values framework, what's it going to mean for you? And actually I ended up thinking, oh, that's just an incredibly paternalistic way to approach this whole problem, isn't it? To say, here we are, (laughs) we now own you, please do this end up completely reworking it and instead getting them to spend a lot of time distilling what was brilliant about their culture and what could they then go and advocate for in the wider Onfido team Um, and I had you know there are a few London based Onfido engineers out in Albuquerque with me so they could talk about some of the key problems that our engineering team had faced and and we could put those problems to this new engineering team and, and understand how their culture would have overcome it or how their culture would have dealt with the issue so I think that's also part of it is just you know, much as, you know, I was the person with Onfido culture engraved on my heart, I would have tattooed it on my forehead if somebody had asked me to. And much as you need those champions who care so much about it and who will fight every battle, the, the battles that really matter are where those chinks emerge between how the business is behaving and what it's declaring. Fight every one of those. You've still got to be the person who says, yeah, but I get this thing changes all the time. I get it. Every new human changes the culture. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. I'm listening. I'm interested and i want it to grow tell us tell us about the animals then (laughs) it was completely accidental i so one of our um one of our values was succeed together and it was very so this was 2015 it was very zeitgeisty everyone was writing values and there were you know blogs all over medium and everything about how, how everyone was doing it and most teams seemed to have a value that was a Bit like that, it was, you know, it was often basically branded as be nice to each other, and I sort of thought, oh that's that's missing the point completely, isn't it? Because, you know, we're a business in the nicest possible way. We want people to love their jobs, to be super engaged, to learn loads. But we're here to do something in particular, and that particular thing is not run a holiday camp. And I was trying to find a way of expressing the fact that humans that collaborate really effectively. Are more successful. Like it's it's just a truth of evolutionary biology, and you can see it all over the business world and all over us. And so I was trying to write a strap line for this thing. And then I started my sentence like an emperor penguin <laughs> and on feed-doer. And I thought, oh, that's quite good. That's quite good in an image. Because I was kind of thinking, you know, the, the the joy of it is it's not just a kind of soft, squishy end of the day thing which realistically we all know we're going to deprioritize if it's the end of the quarter and you've got to get the release out or whatever it is it's not that the point is emperor penguins exist as a species because they're good at this because they get that collaboration that understanding how to make a team more than the sum of its parts is you know critical so i thought oh oh, i quite like that so i sort of pursued this thought and wrote my whole line around emperor penguins and succeeding together and how it was As I say kind of not soft and squishy but in fact fundamental and foundational to our success and then I sort of thought oh (laughs) I wonder if we could go further so some of the values then emerged some of the animals emerged quite organically so uh, we have one which was take pride and the lion came out of that and it was obviously partly a pun but that became um, very much associated with being an ambassador for us so in the way that lions king of the jungle you know again in those early days so many of our, you know, our contracts, our sales, our hires, every part of our business's success came from the fact that a member of the team knew someone who knew someone. <laughs> um, we had, uh, I had sort of slightly hesitate before telling this story on your podcast, but I will, <sighs> we we're desperately trying to hire machine learning engineers. And it was hard. And then a couple of members of my recruitment team started just taking Uber pools from outside DeepMind all the time. <laughs> and basically riding around London in taxis with with computer vision engineers, all these amazing different specialists. And, you know, that's how we were getting people. It was the individual initiative of people who were out there representing the business. And so that emerged from this this lion take pride thing. The Finch, as I say, was always the best one. I think it captured the imagination best of all. And that was um, based on the selection of finch sample sorry finch skulls that Darwin brought back from the Galapagos Islands and it was the thing that got him thinking about evolution um, and it was just such a wonderful image because you know in in the same way that nature's never done evolution is never finished it's about a sort of constant humility and responding to the environment that you find yourself in um, you know the finch came to really underlie everything else that we were that we were doing on Fido. And yes, yeah, so, you know, it's just imagery that kind of happened by mistake, but actually once we got started on it, it started to take on real kind of cultural currency. You know, again, to my point about language, another thing that all of this does is it creates this sense of, of kind of group identity of unity, um, which once you start to have in-group language um, is actually really bonding and really starts to help a team to you know to function as a team and to feel like they share something they share a purpose and they share a mission and so you know I think for all of those reasons that the animal thing worked amazingly well and again you know I think I've mentioned the chimp value a lot uh, sorry the finch value a lot and I do think it was the the kind of secret source of our whole framework if if there is such a thing because the thing that's lovely about that value is it's, it's kind of inbuilt humility it kind of says all the t- time we get that we probably aren't settled on the best answer. And it's yeah. fine if you can see a better answer, we'd rather that you told us. Yeah. And you know, that sort of underlay how we did everything, including the values framework. You know, we rolled it out with a value in it that said, there might be a better way to do this, please tell us. Um, and I, I think that was very powerful. And the reason I mention it is some people hated the animals thing. Some people absolutely loathed it. And when I presented it, so I I did a session For all seven of my years, I presented a a monthly session to our new joiners on the values framework, where I'd come from, what it meant, how it evolved. And I would always say to them, you know, if you hate this animal thing, that's fine. (laughs) That's completely cool. If it, you know, is a complete turn off to you, just don't use it. Find another way to describe it. We're not really worried about how you label these things. We're worried about the behaviors and the behaviors we can tell you hand on heart, and with now seven years of brilliant data behind us. We can tell you this is what a successful person at this business looks like.